Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. Before we get started, a uh, sad day. I want to talk about the passing of Todd Sigmund. Uh, Todd Sigmund, for those who don't know, is Scott Sigmund's brother. Uh, Scott is uh, the vice president of Accuracy International North America. Uh, been part of Accuracy International family a long time. Uh, Todd, uh, well known in the shooting community. Worked a lot with Kyle Lamb, um, did stuff back then, also did a lot of marketing for companies. But um, Todd has been around a long, long time, ha- had a battle, a battle with some health problems. You know, guys who saw him at SHOT Show may have saw him, uh, you know, with the wool caps on and stuff like that. You know, Todd's a fighter, and, and unfortunately, um, he, he passed away. So uh, condolences to Scott Sigmund and the Accuracy International family and to Todd's family, his daughter, his wife, uh, everyone back east who was uh, related. Uh, we want to just give our condolences on that, that Todd has passed away. Um, he will be missed. Uh, I've traveled with Todd and went and did, um, you know, some uh, things went on, on his marketing side. I went to Christensen Arms with him. Uh, we, we did a couple other little trips and different stuff. I was just talking with Todd uh, as we're going to be getting to, uh, together with, um, you know, AI with some things uh, at the end of the year. And so I was coordinating some work with Accuracy International through Todd. So I just, just had emails with him on uh, like Thursday, I think it was, that him and I were emailing. Friday was, of course, the class for Mile High over the weekend and I'm going to talk about that in a minute but I just want to um you know again you know bring attention to all the good works that Todd did uh in in show our support for the Actors International and especially for Scott Scott's an awesome uh, soft spoken guy and to have his brother pass away so early on is a terrible thing uh y- you hate to see that cuz Todd wasn't very old um you know and just again the 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 battles that are out there, we, we're all pretty familiar with people who, who've gone through some of the issues with cancer and different things like that. So, uh, it, it, you know, cancer's a bitch. We hate it, and, and, and it sucks big time. So keep keep the Sigmund family in, in your thoughts. And, you know, if, if you happen to talk to Accuracy International, let them, let them know how you feel about it. But um, – to go over to the uh, the class, uh, you know, to change gear, and, and I hate to, um, you know, kind of come off of that 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 sad note and, and to jump into some positives, but you know that's part of the deal. We we gotta we we, we can't dwell on a lot of that stuff. Although you know it, it it it's that moment of silence issue that that we always talk about. You know, give give that minute for having this family in your prayers, but um. Great class with everybody this weekend um, who came out to the Mile High training. Uh, we had an awesome time. They learned a lot in the wind. We had, again, it, it is, it's typical with our range. You know, if you've been paying any attention to the classes we've been doing since March uh, for Mile High and using the range you see in my videos on, now these guys are starting to get it. I mean, go to YouTube. Check out the Sniper's Hide channel, which is under SH Lowlight for Sniper's Hide Lowlight. And just look at some of those videos. What you'll see behind me is the flag. What I think is missing from a lot of my videos is the wind noise. 
a lot of the equipment I use, a lot of the videos that I have out there, I, I eliminate the sound of the wind quite well. And you never realize just how much wind is on our range until you show up. These guys worked in a gusting, the average was about 16 miles per hour. It gusted anywhere from 10, 12, 16 to 18 miles an hour at any given time, as well as we, it was kind of, we had a little bit of our left hand wind coming from left to right, but at the same time, it was behind us and quartering. And so you'd have it where you'd have this eight o'clock wind come bring it back around to a six o'clock wind back to an eight o'clock wind with this increase in value. We had guys in this class making all kinds of first round hits and it, it was it was really, you know, really impressive to see them pick up these techniques and methods that are out there and, and be able to hit these targets as consistently as we can. And, and right off the bat, I'm going to focus on one student, James. Uh, James showed up with a 270 hunting rifle, thin barrel, very typical to what I see and we talked about in Alaska. The difference was James invested in a good scope. He had a tactical crossover, a little Steiner um, TX-5, I think it was, um, and that gave him the ability to reach out with that hunting rifle and not be handicapped. This guy went three for three at a thousand yards with his hunting rifle. Just, hey man, your turn, go three for three. Uh, I, I tried to limit his shots to three shots because it was a very thin hunting rifle. We all know heat's not our friend, right? Heat's the enemy of what we're doing. Whether it's it's mirage through the scope, uh, the barrels heating up and, you know, stresses and walking, all those different things that may happen with with our rifles, but heat's the bad guy. So when you recognize that a hunting rifle can't be shot Exactly the same as a target rifle, but you can get the same target rifle effects out of it as long as you know what you're looking at. Well, that's what we did with James. James was a rock star during this class. I mean, he had Eddie there. Eddie's, Eddie was great, fun, man. Eddie had more movie knowledge in quotes and stuff. It was hysterical. I was Eddie was on Mike's side of the line, and unfortunately, just the way the... It's the way everything kind of played out. We didn't switch. Usually we switch. I mean, every class is different. Every class has a dynamic of its own. You know what I mean? The students bring a certain um, flow to the class. And sometimes we bounce around and switch and play. And some guys do. Some guys don't. Some guys struggle a little more to understand. Or, or there's equipment issues, which we'll talk about. But every class has its own dynamic. But the, the thing is, is how do you address that and how do you adjust the class dynamic or the instruction, I guess, is a better way of putting it. How, how do I adjust my instruction to bring the students to where we want them to be? And, and we're able to do that. I mean, you know, this with the wind, you, you, you think you'd struggle more. And it's not so much that we struggled more. We, we, we didn't. 
we saw a lot of first and second round hits going all the way out. And we shot just about every dang piece of steel on our range. I mean, all of it. We, 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 we didn't always just mix it up scenario-wise, but we made sure they understood what we were trying to instruct on. You know, that they understood the win classes. And, and Mike's doing just a fantastic job. It's kind of like I'm giving the initial win class in the presentation, and I reduced the presentation. I'm actually got to fix it. I used the six-hour PowerPoint, but I only did part of it and then did the, the, main, the main bullet points of it. But I'm going to fine-tune it for the last October class. And um, a mix of what I'm doing in Alaska to what I'm doing in um, the Mile High and, and making it so it blends together a little bit different. Because now they're starting to blur. You know, before Alaska was a lot more unique than what we saw in the lower 48. But now... It's not. And so I can bring those together where I'm seeing hunting rifles in the class at mile high. I'm seeing software and better rifles used up north, you know, and we're now trying to balance this instruction. So it's it's a little bit more consistent across the, the different classes that I teach. And, and like I said, every one of them is unique, even though the instruction is very similar because how students pick it up how, how they're able to put into practice and how they understand what's being explained. But going back to James, man, one MOA target at 500 yards, he nails it. You know, we're, we're talking the, the 800, the 1,000, the 1125, he's on it. I mean, he, he, a, a, a midsize, which would be a total kill zone on an elk target at 900 yards, he, he got a first round, missed a second with the win, got a third round. So he's getting two out of three and almost always has that first round hit. Uh, I mean, he really got into the win calls to the point where we weren't helping him on the on the third day. You guys did 100% of their win. These guys were rock star in it. And, and it, we've made it so simple. WTF. That's all it is. It's WTF. Win. That's your number one consideration if you've done your job and you've checked out your trajectory and your elevation, which is the T, trajectory, win, trajectory. If you put in the work, if you shot your target, doped your, you know, doped your rifle, trued up your software, and, and gone through the methods we've talked about over and over again, how you engage that target is really comes down to, am I holding or dialing? In the wind. That's it. In my holding elevation or dialing elevation, how did I get my elevation? In the wind. You know what I mean? The wind. What is it? What are you going to do about it? Trajectory. How did you get that range and what are you going to do about it? You're holding or dialing. Then, fundamentals of marksmanship. And we hammered on, I mean, these guys even want us to go even further with some of the fundamentals, which I think I'm going to take the heart and I'm going to do where instead of doing it so much, you know, I do the eval in the beginning, we, we tune everybody up, and then at the end, I double check, and I send them home with things to work on. Well, they're kind of wanting it every day, and, and, and not a bad way to do it. We are correcting them, but more in of like, as we see it, we correct it, instead of running through sort of the drills like we do with the evals. We have, I have specific evals that I'm doing, and so... um. You know, they, they, they want a few more of those mixed in. 
where we're, we're basically stopping everybody. And maybe that's what we do at 100, you know, when we recheck zero. Because we are rechecking zeros because not everybody's stuff comes back to zero. Um, you know, we had some high-end equipment that was eight-tenths off every time we returned to zero. It, it, it happens. Everything's, you know, nothing's perfect. There's always going to be an, a, an issue. We, we had one rifle, and I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus or anything, but the, the base kept coming loose. We finally, you know, dug up some Loctite. I didn't have any with me. I only have so much tools. Recommendation, put a toolkit together. Please, 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 please. Put a small fix-it stick, fork a tool, whatever the case may be, put a toolkit together that goes everywhere your rifle goes. Because you never know if you have to adjust or repair on something. It should have a bit for your action screws. It should have a bit for your base screws. It should have a bit for your ring screws, both top and side. And it should have a bit for your scope adjustment. So, tip, scope tool for resetting your turrets. Base tools for tightening and torquing down your base and your rings. Rifle screws for actions. Anything that you have to be in there and in, in, in for your actions and stuff. Have just that basic kit that never leaves your side. Because we still get people that come and they bought new equipment. And a lot of them are new shooters. I get it. Who, who come and don't have the tool. And I have tools. But then it's digging through my bag. I got to run back. I got to dig through my bag. I'm trying to find that tool. I, I mean, I have kits, but a lot of it's thrown in a big kind of little craftsman tote. You know what I mean? And over the course of months, days, year, they get thrown around. They get mixed up because I'm always switching equipment. So I don't have a dedicated, this is for this, this is for that. Because I may switch, you know? So for me, it becomes like pulling up a pile of Allen keys and trying to find that one that fits your scope, you know, and then it's pulling up a pile of bit driver, you know, the, the bits for the driver, and trying to find the one that fits yours, where if you just have it, you got it. And then I could say, hey, you got that tool? You grab that tools, we work on your rifle. You could see what I'm doing, and it translates. So, I mean, you know, because we always, every class, we're always wrenching on something, you know, it, it, it never fails. Regardless, we're going to reset your turrets to zero, zero. I mean, that's a big part of the discussion because we still get people showing up who, who don't have a zero, zero on their scopes. And I understand that. I know where they're coming from with it. But there's always one or two, sometimes three or more persons in a class where their turret is set to like, you know, 4.5, 6.3, uh, you know, um something because they they just didn't reset their turrets you always want to reset your turrets to zero zero but man i i was i was psyched with what we did with this class i thought everybody had a good time all the students got along famously guys were out drinking together they were out eating together they, they, they all you know hung in uh pulling with canopies and different things you know what i mean they're there that we because it was hot 90 degrees the winds are blowing, the sun's out, no clouds, you know, the whole deal. Putting canopies up for everybody. Hey, what do you got? What do you got? Hey, I got a cooler over here. This got water in it for everybody. You know, we bring water and put some stuff out. But, I mean, unless you ask and say, hey, you got cold water, it's hot water. 
you know, oh yeah, we got some cold water over here. If you want, throw an empty one in, put it in the in the cooler. But we're not managing the people to that degree. At times, it, it, it's big boy rules. You know what I mean? It's a gentleman's course. You bring what you need. We we don't force feed you and stop everybody and say, okay, it's it's now you know fifty five minutes into the first day of being on the firing line. Everybody drink water. You know, okay, it's been two hours and 14 minutes. Everybody drink water. We don't do that. I mean, we expect you to kind of manage yourself. But at the same time, you know, it's good to see students working together and having such a good time together. And, and, and you know, Mike's way of doing thing is different than my way of doing thing. My side of the line works one way. Mike's side of the line works another way. And, and, and it's, it's a good dynamic. For, uh, for people to, to get exposed to more than one way of doing it, you, you know? And it, and it was, it, like I said, the wins were tough, but these guys were making their own win calls by Sunday and at the end of the class. They were getting their first round hits. We used that win target to great success multiple times. We're using the xylophone target. We're putting other things out and saying it's on you to get it. One, two, three, did you get it? No, we'll come back. One, two, three, four, five, did you get it? No, we're coming back. You know, have your mags bombed up. Be ready to go. And, and, and it was. It worked out really, really good. So I, I want to um, thank all the students that came to the class in uh, the feedback they provide. When the class is over, we sit everybody down. And, of course, not everybody wants to air dirty laundry or something. But we sit them all down at the end. What did you like? What didn't you like? Would you like to change? And, and some stuff we did last class, we didn't do this class. And I get that. Hey, we like to see this happen. Yeah, we usually do that. It just, the way the dynamic was, it didn't work this way. But that is a pretty common way of doing it. It just didn't happen this time. You know, oh, we, we like this and we'd like to see more of that. Okay, yeah, we can do that. That's no problem. And, you know, oh, when you explained it this way, I wasn't quite sure. But then when Mike said this, it clicked. Okay, we'll incorporate that into that. That's a great way of putting it. You know, so we're always soliciting feedback from people to try to make it a better class. And, you know, it, it, it's it's funny. It, it, in the trigger control, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to harp on trigger control a minute because that's, that's your point of human contact. That's where I see the biggest errors. When I did the fundamental eval, the, the very first morning, first day, first morning, the whole thing out of the gate, I was like, damn, this class is on it. It's going to be so easy because they're all looking really good. They've watched videos. They've seen, they've listened to the podcast. They've heard us talking. They've seen me online in, in, in the different video and the training films and different stuff like that. These guys look good. You know, there wasn't hot messes right out of the gate in, um, then when you when I really start looking at them, the one thing with the trigger control I noticed that people are doing, and it's it's the the more hyper focused I get on it, the more and more I see it. You take the pad of your finger, take take that from the first joint of your finger to the tip, however long that is. I'm seeing people use three different presses over five shots. So three different types of presses mixed up with five shots. Tip, pad, joint. Tip, pad, joint. Pad, tip, joint. Pad, joint, tip. Tip, tip, pad. Tip, tip, pad, joint. Tip, 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 pad. Pad, 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 tip. Pad, 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 joint. 
You know what I'm saying? So they're being a little inconsistent and you're seeing some some sort of, um, you know, some trigger control stuff. And, and great, like, Eddie. Eddie was, like I said, fun guy. Getting tummy sticks, the whole thing, man. He, he, he had the picture we put up. So the guy smiling with the refrigerator theory picture on the Everyday Sniper Facebook page, that's Eddie. Eddie, Eddie was all about having the fun. You know, oh, what a lovely tea party. And, and, and so he come up to me and he had a question about the follow through and some of the things that I noticed when he was shooting. And his, aunt, his, his thing was, so you want me to anchor my hand and isolate my trigger finger. Yes. And him using the word anchor was one I never used before. And it clicked for me. Yes, anchor. Anchor those three fingers back into the shoulder pocket. Isolate that trigger finger. Press. Be consistent on the press. Relax the thumb. Lay it naturally down. If you're going to float the thumb, no tension. Everything's good. It should be. It should almost be like your thumb's not there in a lot of ways. But then, you know, it, it was just that small little like one-on-one -on -one moment. So what you're saying is anchor it. Yes. That's what I'm saying without me saying it, but that's exactly right, you know, because we are seeing a lot of movement where another thing that'll happen because they're that hand, that, that firing hand is not anchored is when the rifle recoils and it comes back that quarter to three eighths of an inch on recoil it's coming back, right? Your, that compression in your shoulder, the whole thing. Well, when your hand's not anchored and you don't have a good grip on the rifle, the rifle moves away from your hand. It separates. And we're trying not to separate our hand from the firing task. Okay? The mission of the firing hand is two. One, to hold the rifle into the rear to the shoulder pocket, right? To hold the rifle to the rear into your shoulder pocket. And two, to manipulate the trigger without disturbing the lay of the sights. We have to do two things with one hand. Three, if you consider coming off and running the bolt. So we have to support the rifle, manipulate the trigger, while not moving the rifle. So these small little changes, anchor, pat of the finger, follow through. Follow through is the one. If follow through is still the forgotten fundamental. And, 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 you know, talking with Lee, another one, going one-on-one -on -one at the end and, and explaining to him, you're tapping the trigger, you're tapping the trigger, you're not following through. He didn't, he can't feel or see or, or recognize that because he's focused through the reticle. 100% of his attention's on the target where it should be, and he shoots well, but he's tapping the trigger. And, and, and he's like, wow, how do I fix that? Wow, am I still tapping it? I'm still tapping it? I'm still tapping it? Yeah, you are. Oh, well, what do I got to do? Draw dry practice is one, tap it, freeze. And when you're dry firing and you're practicing trigger control, treat it like a real shot. Don't just lift the bolt, drop the bolt, tap the trigger. You know what I mean? Run the bolt, fire it. Trigger breaks, firing pin drops, goes forward, whatever you want to call it, right? Fire, sear releases the firing pin, firing pin moves forward. When that click happens, stay in place. I shot, I see it hit, I come off, I run the bolt. 
I fired the shot, I see it hit, I come off, I run the bolt. That should be the mantra that you're going through in your head. Shot broke, I see it hit, I come off, I run the bolt. Instead of just tapping and bang, tapping and running and going up to the bolt. Because what you want to do is you want to kind of um, simulate that one second time of flight. So you need to be on that trigger for that ex- extra one second. Shot breaks. I see I hit the target. That gives you your one second. I come off. I run the bolt. So it's giving you that little pause, that pregnant pause that we're trying to do with dry practice. Because when you go live and you hit a target that's closer, you could say, I see it hit and I come off and it, you could be faster. If it's a shorter range and you're running a speed drill, as soon as it's hit, you can move. But you want to see the result of your shot. You don't want to sacrifice the one you're taking for one in the future you may not need. Okay? If you solve the problem with the first shot, there's no need to give it a second. So... Unless you see that, why compromise the one you're taking trying to think about the next one? Because the next one, every shot's on its own. You know what I mean? Once it's gone, there's nothing you could do about it. So now you need to reset your mind, reset your body, the whole thing, and take that next shot for its own and go from there. So that's why with dry practice, I break the shot, I see it hit, I come off, I run the bolt. I break the shot, I see it hit, I come off, I run the bolt. That's my little mind, mind mantra that I'm giving you guys without charging you to come to the class. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's worth your time to come and get these things. Because like I said, you, when you, when you want to know what the payoff is, James with his hunting rifle. That guy first round everything with a 270, man. He was a slayer. Hit it again. Hit it again. And if there was one, maybe we shot a little faster. We're going down the line and he hit it on the first one. You're good, man. You want to do a second? Okay. We don't need a third. You know you killed it. It's good. He he, he, drew, he drew an elk tag. He's going to go, man, there, there isn't an elk that, that he can't manage now. I don't care how far away it is. That elk ain't getting away. I mean, not that he would, but he could take one at a thousand yards. He was that good with his hunting rifle. I know he's not gonna, but he can. If that was the only shot he had and he was running out of time, he could take it. And I know he would be successful in doing it. You know, you could debate your own ethics on that kind of thing. And I get it. There's the the long range hunting versus is it ethical? I'm not going to get into that. That's your, that's your choice to make. You're the one out there. You're the one looking through the scope. You know, your skill set. but I'm just saying, even with the hunting rifle, He made it look easy, okay, with a stock out-of-the-box hunting rifle. Invest in a good scope. Invest in one with target turrets. Invest in one with a little bit of elevation to it. Don't limit your equipment simply because that's how everybody's always done it. You can get a crossover scope, a Night Force SHV. Right, shooting hunting varmint. It, it's small. It's light. It's got a good power range. It's got elevation. You can practice. You can dope your rifle. You can understand it. Um, you know, whatever. 
of Vortex AMG, small, light, six to twenty-four. You can, it's a crossover. He had a three to eighteen, I think it was, or whatever the case with that Steiner, small, compact. You got Night Forces four to sixteen. You, you just do something with that doesn't have both, you know, those little short, tiny, bitty single turn cap windage and elevation. If you want to go right up hunting, Shirovsky X5, something like that, that has a turret you can dial because then you could do anything you want to do with it. You can go point of aim, point of impact. You could dial up your point blank range. You can do whatever you need to do. As long as you don't limit yourself with the optic. And sorry to say, some of those hunting optics suck beyond using a reticle. They might as well be really nothing but a reticle. And if you don't have that adjustment, you don't want to go 100% in the reticle if you can get away with it. Unless it has a full-blown from 0 to 1,000 yard reticle in it. If it does not have a 1,000 yard reticle in it, and you're not comfortable using that that way... Get one with the target turret for hunting. Don't limit yourself and say, well, I'm never going to take one past 300 yards. Because you might. Look at uh, Wild Bill in Alaska with the single shot break open blazier that he had. Blazer, blazier, R6, R4, whatever the fuck it was called. It was a straight up break, breech load, boom, hunting rifle. He had a vortex on it. Okay, It had target turrets on it. He took a Marco Polo sheep at 540. Boom. Done. Okay? All that stuff, man. It, it's, it, it really, it, 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 it'll make you that much more effective regardless of what you're doing. The optics matter. Spend some money in the optic. The optic can move. Even if you find your rifle's a little lower budget, even, you know, whatever the case may be, you can always swap stuff around and go from one thing to another. The optics where you want to put your money, okay? Put that in that in, into that thing because it will pay off. You won't be limited. You won't be that guy in a class that can only shoot to 600 yards when everybody else is going to 1425 because your scope can dial it. And if you do it, the hunting rifle's got so much velocity, you can shoot it that far. You know what I mean? Especially, oh, and another shout out, Hornaday Precision Hunter Ammo kicks ass in rocks. He was using that Hornaday Precision Hunter Ammo. That stuff, and I've seen it before up in Alaska, the whole thing. That stuff works really, really good as a target crossover bullet. We've seen some of those core locks and soft points and things just be terrible. Terrible. You know, you're talking that... Two inch plus groups without that that Remington hunting ammo and stuff, awful stuff. Hornaday, on the other hand, it's like target ammo. It's it's super effective. It's super good. You guys, I mean, it's worth its weight when it comes to you know the, learning this stuff, marksmanship, and translating it to the field and hunting and all that. I mean. Look at what the Gunwork stuff is doing. Go peruse their stuff and look at how that crossover is playing. You want to go light? You want to be able to target shoot still? Get a carbon fiber barrel. Proof. Boom. Carbon fiber stock. Boom. You can still target shoot. You can still shoot pretty well before that Mirage. Heck, you can put 
a little tiny piece of Velcro on the front and back of that proof barrel that you're going to use for hunting. Put a Mirage Band on it. Zero it up and use it as a target rifle with the Mirage Band. You won't get the heat coming off that carbon fiber barrel. Remember, you got 26 inches of carbon fiber black radiating that heat out of there. More so than a steel barrel. So you'll get Mirage. That's where the walk kind of comes from that people see. It's not that the barrel is walking as it's defective. It's walking because there's Mirage 26 inches in front of your scope, thick of it. More than a suppressor in ways. We cover a suppressor, but they don't cover carbon fiber barrels when they shoot them like a target rifle. Well, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? I see it with handguard versus not handguard on my proof barrel. My proof rifle without a handguard on it, um, you know, I'll see Mirage start coming up. The one with the, with the handguard, which is on my RPR right now, that dissipates it. I don't see it. So if you put a little tab of Velcro, little tab of Velcro, put a thin Mirage band on it, you're McMoney, man. You could shoot it like a target rifle. And you can get something out of it and learn it and then cross over when you go hunting. You don't have to worry about it. You're only taking that one or two shots, right? So you take that off. And it has zero effect. No weight. It's just a, it's a tiny little dot of Velcro. That's it. And, and so you can go this way. And, and, and you know, I, I, I think there's a lot to be said for, uh, you know, hunters learning this marksmanship versus it doesn't have to be a hunter course. Okay, not a hunter safety course. It's a marksmanship course. Once you're a marksman, you could hunt, you could target shoot, you could play games, whatever you want. You, you, you can go you can go anywhere. But if you have zero marksmanship skills and you're limited, you got to stick to that 70 yard shot on a deer. You got You know what I mean? Instead of seeing that one you really want at 280, you got to hope it's at 80. OK, but if you if you if you fine-tuned and understood and had marksmanship skills, 280 is a chip shot. You'd never hesitate taking that shot with these rifles because they're worth it. Nowadays, they're good. Pencil-thin barrels, man. We had that whole class of them in Alaska we talked about, the, the, the Davis constructors. All hunting rifles. When we limited those guys, they hit. But they learned something at the same time. We just didn't have a high round count. We had quality, not quantity. And that's what I'm talking about. The quality of the instruction versus just throwing rounds down range. All right, guys. Um, sorry for the delays and everything. It's just super busy. I'm um, going to get with Mike. Uh, I had a class. Oh, shout out. I had Sierra. Um, yesterday, I, I was out back at the range. So that's why I didn't do one uh, yesterday. Uh, Monday would have been for you guys. But you're listening. You have no concept of what day it is. Could be any day. Could be. Who knows? It could be, you know. Flubber day. I don't know. What the hell? It's a day. But anyway, so yesterday I went back out to the range. I had this young lady from uh, East Coast, Sierra. Uh, she knew somebody, Kane, uh, SRS Rifles, and she's a Navy vet, lives in Virginia Beach, and her family's from Colorado. So she came out with me yesterday and borrowed my rifle. I gave her my 18-inch 6.5 Creedmoor, Remington Action, Criterion Rematch barrel on it, fluted 18-inch. Suppressor, got a surefire suppressor on it, RC7 or something. Um, the the SOCOM, whatever it is. Oh, what is it? SOCOM 762, the short guy, the little one. And uh, I had the Sightmark Pinnacle 3 to 18 scope on it, the one I'm reviewing, the one I did that scope tracking tool video. Factory Prime ammo, 
so her 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 family's from here. So she flew in, um, went to Fountain down by Sea Springs. Her dad, her dad and her came up yesterday to shoot with me. So gave her my rifle, gave her a case of my ammo uh, from Prime Prime Moving Sale. If you didn't get in on it, you blew it, man. Guys are buying cases at this Prime sale, but uh, I got to get in on it because I'm out of Prime ammo now. I got to get more. But I basically pulled out a case of Factory Prime, stuck it down there. Said this is yours. Whatever you got to do. So at first, set her up at 100 yards. Her position looked good. Everything looked good. I fixed her trigger control. I set her up uh, height-wise with all the bipod and everything. Position was great. She shot her group. She was a minute, half-minute shooter right out of the box. So she shot one group, made a quick adjustment, fixed her trigger control. She shot her second group, half-minute. I said, you're done. Let's go out. I shot her from 200 yards with this 18-inch 6.5 Creedmoor to a mile she fourth round hit a mile boom i was like damn girl she freaking she rock starred everything i i think she barely and she had similar wins not as much as you guys had the class guys she was probably in the eight mile an hour zone with the wind um i think she was about a mill at 800 yards of wind with this uh which you know usually i'm about a half or edge of plate if it's if it's light these guys were probably about a mil and a half to two at 800 yards in their class. She was a mil, mil at 800, I remember. Took her all the way out, all the way over. The only one she didn't shoot was 1,600 yards. We didn't shoot 13, and we didn't shoot 16. Shot 1,250, 15. She got several hits at 1,500, and then to a mile. She got her fourth round hit on a mile. Bucket list. Hello. So this this is a girl that doesn't even own a bolt action rifle. She said she's only shot like four in her lifetimes. She's ready to go. You guys, if you guys are looking to somebody to sponsor, there's there. I'll give you your number. Right. Go check out the Facebook page. Go check out all the stuff I posted. A picture of it. She she's a rock star. She she definitely can can move forward. She wants to get into competition. Just, I, you know, she's talking with Kane about building the AR variant from Kane does SRS rifles and he builds ARs. So I told her if she's thinking about it and she was a Valkyrie, she can get into this game with a Valkyrie. And I think a Valkyrie because she's my size. She's small. So I think a Valkyrie's a good way to go a little lighter, a little faster. You know what I mean? Step up to a Valkyrie, get your feet wet. You get a sponsorship. You make a little bit money. Think about what an AR platform building a good Valkyrie with some decent parts. And if you Lego gunned the basics, you'd spend a lot less money in some ways. You know, going going the Valkyrie route. I mean, don't get me wrong. You can go 6.5 Creedmoor and do a light rifle and, and all of that. Rugers, RPRs, Bergaras, the whole thing. But you'd want to lighten it up a little bit for what she's doing. She could do a 22-inch Valkyrie on a small frame AR with very little recoil and, and, and she shoots well enough where if she had that right instruction with a, with a semi-auto platform, she'll do damn well in, in these matches. When their average range is 400 yards, she'll have no drama with it. So you drop a few points at 1,000. Who cares? You know, if you make up your points at the short range stuff, you could drop a few at the long range. Heck, I'm thinking I might even bring my Valkyrie to um, the Guardian just to keep to go with the lighter rifle. I, I haven't decided what I'm going to shoot at Guardian yet, but... um. I, you know, only because I, I realized I'm out of freaking damn ammo. I got to get some ammo up pretty pretty quick. 
Uh, I got to get a hold of Jim and, and, and get it all before all you vultures take it in the moving sale. And I mean that in the, in, in the most endearing way by vultures. I, I appreciate you guys supporting that moving sale in Prime. It helps. Um, so, you know, that's that, that that's that's one of my 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 uh, Frankisms with with that stuff. But um, the pinnacle worked. The pinnacle. She, she had twenty one mils to a mile, seventeen eighty. Twenty one mils with the one thirty grain six five Creed. Twenty one fourth round hit. Hello. So, it's there. It's available. All right, guys. I got to get back to work. Uh, I'm gonna get with Mike and do some follow up. I'm probably gonna see if I can meet with him on Thursday. Uh, seeing I'm around. If not, I could probably get with him on the weekend, though. I think his his house is sold, and he's doing all that, the moving work. Well, he's busy, but I'm going to try to fit to his schedule and get out there and so we can get a cast together because I know he has a lot to talk about. Um, he's just he's just got personal things and, and work-related things that, that are taking up all of his attention and, and pulling him this way or going that way with my travels and his uh it has been has been a bit tough but thanks for listening again that moment of silence for Todd Sigmund uh uh you know big loss to the, to the to the gun industry rest in peace Todd all right Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you. Make sure you check out Sniper's High. A lot of good. Con- I'm not gonna. We're, we'll talk. We're gonna end up having to talk about it. But there's so much being talked about with this match stuff. Um, it's there's there's books being written right now. If you go on a Sniper's High in the Everyday Podcast section, there's books being written about uh, episode 86, Passion, and uh, 87, and so or the uh, 85, 86, 87, whatever the numbers are. There, there's there's books being written about this, and I think you know. People are hungry to solve this problem, and it's starting to spill over to Facebook where they're recognizing the problem. All right, guys, I will talk to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for everybody who's been who's been emailing me, who's been reaching out to me, sending me private messages, sending me those words of support, and uh, in, in having opinions about the different topics that I've been bringing up with the match stuff and all that. I've been getting some really, really good, and and I appreciate the the, the support that's coming. Not only from the shooters, but from the match directors out there and, and from the different people. Uh, over the weekend, had another match director contacting me, and, and, and I really, really appreciate it. Uh, once I get my head clear and all this, I will, I will, we're going to put solutions out. We got a, a post going up that a local guy is going to stand up another match and do some stuff, and he's asking these hard questions on how to make his matches better. And I think that will help everybody to recognize what shooters like and what they don't like i mean the spin has become ridiculous the spin to justify what they're doing is beyond funny i mean you know like funny are you kidding me not so much funny haha but funny like really man that's how you're spinning that that's that's your justification for what you did and and i get it like vibbridge trolling you know, he don't. He's seen his picture up and the whole thing, and everybody's talking about him innovating the stage by using his bipod. He did a high prone and he innovated. Okay, dude, you fucking went on your bipod, but he's trolling now because he knows it's a topic of conversation. He's paying attention. He's listening. He's just being a troll. 
And and dude, that's why people have issues with you. I mean, it, it's let, let's call it, it is what it is. You know, they 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 look at you at two ways. They look at you that you're a good shooter, but you play games. And it's like you don't have to be that guy, yet you are that guy. And which is why you're polarizing more so than me, almost as much as me. And I and I'm doing it on purpose. You know, you're you're kind of falling into it a bit and, and don't necessarily do it. You don't think you're doing anything wrong. I know I'm pushing buttons. There, there's there's a difference. So that that's kind of it's like, dude, you know, let's we won't we won't go back in history, but, you know, we can. And so we don't need to go there. But, yeah, he's just trolling. So I'm not even getting into that stuff on Facebook and getting into that conversation because I get what he's doing. And he's being silly. He thinks it's because everybody's saying and patting him on the back, his click and saying, oh, dude, don't worry about what they say. That's bullshit. You're an innovator. It's like, OK, dude, he's tall. He, he, he's got equipment that can handle. It's like, why don't we all just shoot tripods? Here's my recommendation for you guys who are innovating. Just shoot it off a tripod. Either do kneeling or standing because that's all you're really doing. You're just you're tr- you're 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 bypassing the obstacle to get back in your comfort zone. If your comfort zone is a bipod and a tripod, then just use those two things and skip the obstacle. If a, if a match director makes something and says shoot it off of this and you don't like that or think that position is good, just back up a foot, shoot it off your tripod and just let the bip- the tripod let something hang something from your gun that touches the thing because that's all you're doing. All they're doing is touching the thing they're supposed to be shooting on and they're shooting it the way they want. So just give them all a tripod and say, these 10 stages are kneeling stages. These 10 stages are standing stages and throw two prones in there and, and you're good. All right, man, <laughs> enough. Enough of the contrived conversations. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye.